0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Good morning. I let the intro that Blog Talk Radio does do its thing before I jumped in over it. How are you, everyone? This is uh, Tom Hayes on a beautiful February morning in um, Templeton, Massachusetts. Previously, I'm in my Boston area. We're going great show today. I got a wonderful woman from uh, England going to talk to us about. The teen, teenage girls on the crisis in the COVID era. Um, I'll give you a quick introduction. Jane is a powerhouse on the female empowerment stage. If the subject is gender related, you want to join Jane and her team on her platform. Her credibility and val- validity in this space is unquestionable and unrivaled. She is charismatic, mesmerizing, and an entertaining speaker, intuitive coach, facilitator, author, podcaster, and media lovey. As an entrepreneur, she is fearless, and her passion and resilience has been tested many times. Her work supporting vulnerable teenage girls via her social enterprise, Girls Out Loud, is admirable. She is described by her peers as a game-changer, a visionary, and a trailblazer. To to say she rocks is an understatement. For the past 20-plus years, she has worked in the personal development area. Fifteen of these exclusively with women and teenage girls, helping them find their voice Harness their gumption, step up and shine. So let's see if Jane has, she has not arrived yet. Oh my goodness. Well, before she gets here, I want to uh, give my my two cents on all of that. Uh, First of all, I'm a father of uh, two daughters, and a stepdaughter, uh, who I think I've done extremely well in my guidance and my devotion to... uh, To them, their personal development and time, effort, whatever, and have seen three ladies blossom in a way that I'm extremely proud of, not only because they are happy, but also because of what they contribute to the world. They're raising, uh, at this present time, five beautiful children uh, that uh, are happy and loving. Um, And they've found personal development in there. Oh, there she is. Hello. 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 Wonderful. Let's do this. Jane. Wait, hang on. Hello. Jane, are you you're here?
0: I am here. How are you?
1: <laughs> it is so great to hear your voice after so many years.
0: I know. How long is it?
1: Oh, it's wonderful. And I had a fabulous chat with your hubby, uh, mm-hmm. just a bit ago. And, uh, you know, he told me uh, it was nice because we got a um, description of the landscape in England right now during all of this. Um, how's yes. it going? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty bleak. How is it still pretty pretty tight over there? Yes, pre-
0: yes, pretty bleak. It is pretty bleak. Um, it's just we don't really know what's happening. You get different stories from different people. There's no continuity. There's no leadership at the very top, theres it's just it's a mess, really, it's a mess so we're all just trying to be good citizens and do what we're told and, you know, well some of us are, some of us aren't <laughs> yeah, exactly you
1: know? I mean, one, one uh experience was the fact that your neighbours had been robbed and nobody showed up and yet uh, the contrast is, he can be pulled over for going to the grocery store
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely you have to prove where you're going. It's like, well, what am I living in here? You know, 1984, police state. Well, exactly. But it can only get better. It can only get better. Is it not like that where you are then? Is it more relaxed?
1: Uh, it's starting to lighten up a little bit, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, they've seen, you know, it's hard to tell what, what works and doesn't work, but it seemed, appears mm-hmm. that if we do keep people away from each other, then the, the incidents goes down, which only makes sense. Uh, and yeah. so the incident has really gone down. And so they start mm-hmm. to start to release, um, you know, some of the restrictions, but you know, the key mm-hmm. word just said that I'd like to, I just gave you a nice introduction. I it was, oh, okay. I took, it, you know, took it off your website. So people know mm-hmm. at this point, uh, which we're involved with, I, I, I don't know how many. T- I think we had a couple of podcasts that we did together, but I gotta. Mm-hmm. I, I always talk about you because your story is just, uh, you know, something. I've, I've been, I've gotten into, uh, you know, some classic literature recently, and uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Charles Dickens. I mean, you have a story that is worthy of a Charles Dickens novel. have. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, you. really, when you. When you think of the dynamic of what you went through, and I don't know how much of that yeah. you want to share today, but um, you know the the crisis of having to go out on your own. I mean, yeah. when yeah. when the, the things I just read about you, you've lived. Mm-hmm. I mean, you went out into the world alone. You uh, were cut off from your your family. Uh, mm-hmm. You and then you rose to the the highest of heights in terms of what we would consider modern day uh, a success and mm-hmm. achievement. And then, through um, health crises, decided that we uh, were actually forced to take a different tack, and uh, mm-hmm. realize mm-hmm. there's much more than what we what the eye sees in terms of uh, reaching personal development. And um, well, I I think
0: I I now kind of talk about my life in three acts because I don't think we all do the same thing for all of our life. I think we have critical moments. And in those critical moments, we self reflect and we think, okay, um, is the is my intuition telling me something here? Do I do I need to step back and get off this for a moment and see where the next act is? And I've done that. Three times, and maybe i 'll do it a fourth, who knows, But the first time I did that was when I came to a um, reach the heights of corporate success. In my late 20s, I had the big job, the corner office, the nice expenses account, the big budget, the team, um, the place around the board table. And, you know, I'd done that in 10 years from being left at 16 alone, alone and broke. I just literally became a workaholic. And I was on this mission to prove that I was worth something because I'd been made to feel completely worthless in the way I was treated when I was a teenager. So it was like I was on this mission so my first act was to prove that I was worthy um, and to kind of show my, my father in particular that I didn't need his money, that I could make my own. And so I did that all, all through my 20s and literally got to about 28, 29, uh, hit the top, couldn't go any further, um, had more qualifications than hot meals and thought, what do I do now? Where, where, where do I go next? And then I nearly had a, well, I probably had a a mini breakdown because I was so stressed. Um, I stopped. I couldn't get any more qualified and I couldn't climb the ladder anymore. And so I stopped. And at that point that I stopped, I got ill. And I think that happens to a lot of people. You know, when you actually stop climbing and you stop working and you, you know, you allow yourself space, you get ill. It's why lots of people get ill over Christmas because Christmas is when they switch off. It's why lots of people get ill on their way to their holidays because they've switched off. And so I did that big time because I'd not switched off for 10 years. And so I, I then was forced to think about, well, I can't really go back to that job. I can't really go back working 60, 70 hour weeks like that. I need to think about what my next act is. And so then I moved into entrepreneurship, working for myself. And again, I did that. That was my second act as a serial entrepreneur. And I did that for a good 10, 12 years. Um, made lots of money, lost lots of money, did that twice. Was a millionaire twice and nearly bankrupt twice. Um, learned lots of things about myself. Had 12 businesses in that time. Some I bought, some I, some I developed, some I sold, some I nearly lost, some I never, never should have touched with a barge pole. Um, and so I had a really kind of emotional roller coaster of a journey. But I always say that I would never change any of that. I would never change any of my backstory because it makes me who I am, doesn't it? I wouldn't be who I am without any of it. So so I then kind of became burnt out by all of that. And then, interestingly enough, when I was 36, I met Tony, um, my now husband, and my life changed again. So now I'm in another act. So I've done the first act, I've done the second act. And you know, he comes along and it's like, well, change all of that. Thanks very much. And so I took some time out to, to sort of spend some time with him. And I did that self-reflective process again. Do I want to be doing this the rest of my life? Actually, no. Um, I now need to find something that uh, makes me my heart sing, that's cause-driven, that That is about making a difference, that's a legacy, that You know, I can leave something and people will know I've been here. There's a footprint. And so that's my third act, which I'm now in. So I'm now in the business of um, inspiring teenage girls to step up and shine and be their best version of themselves and pick up the baton that the women before have left for them. Um, And so now I run a charity and a social enterprise And um, that's what I now do. So that's my third act. Who knows what the fourth will be?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just beaming here. I got the goosebumps when you talked about uh, giving back and uh, taking on, um, you know, a message to uh, a legacy. You're right. We get Mm at this stage of our lives, it really Mm. becomes becomes that. You know, we... um, through all of the insanity. And I think we all got swept up in the media is just an awful tide to try to shovel against. And um, so we started doing one of the gals that I've been associated with. uh, We did some podcasts on personal development stories and Mm -hmm. it was fascinating that, you know, after an hour of speaking to somebody who did as you have done um, many times in your life, hit hit the bottom and then turned around and Mm -hmm. we found
2: that Mm -hmm.
1: there were three or four things that they all shared in common without our prompting. They all shared in common. Number one, they got rid of all the negative people. That was the first step. Once they did that, they went to work, which was the second Mm -hmm. step. Uh, they did. So they stopped feeling bad for themselves and just got productive. Mm -hmm. And, um, the third thing is because of that, that old, uh, the crab trying to get out of the pail and all the other crabs trying to pull it back. They had to go their own path because people had all kinds Mm -hmm. of what they should do. But the the forefoot, every single one talked about, they didn't achieve happiness until they started doing for others. And I don't Mm -hmm. know if you want to jump on that a little bit.
0: Yeah, so I think if you talk to most entrepreneurs, they will, they will talk about the reason they do what they do is because they want to make a difference. You know, they want to be more than wallpaper. You know, they want to kind of be able to um, see the, 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 the benefit of their work. And as a social entrepreneur, that's absolutely key. And, you know, we can earn money. Well, all the the time, if that's what we want to do. But that's not what true wealth is. You know, true wealth is what's left when the money's gone.
1: Wow. yeah,
0: Yeah. True wealth is what's left when the money's gone. And so, you know, you have to be able to define that. And when you've lost money, you know exactly what that is. So for me, my true wealth is my mindset. It's my resilience it's my ability to get back up, yeah. It's my passion. It's uh, it's my tribe. So it's the people that are around me. Um, it's my family. Um, and it's my health, mental and physical. And it's, so long as I have that, I have wealth. So it's for me, you know, success is not metric at all. And I think if you talk to anybody that is in, you know, the later stages of their life... You know, if you still want to work and you still, you know, want to be doing something, and then unless it's got any meaning or purpose, it's not really going to motivate you. I mean, I felt very different when I was in my 20s. You know, what I was driven by in my 20s is money. I wanted yep. to be wealthy. You yep. know, I wanted the big house. I wanted the flash car. I wanted the status. And that's what I was doing. And and I got it. But when I got it, it was like, right. oh, right. <laughs> now what it kind of you know faded a bit when I got it Um, and then I lost it many times be as an entrepreneur and so I I then started to think question well it's not really about this at all is it Um, and I've been a personal development junkie since I was about 25 so for me personal development is like my religion um is the thing that's my core, my, the very central thing about me. It's like and that's even changed, Tom, when I think about it. When I first was into personal development it was all about um, you know, belief and success and achievement. Now it's more spiritual. It's much more spiritual. Yeah. It's much more focused on gratitude and, and, and living yeah. with an open heart and living with no judgment and um you know living in the present moment which which You know, I have to work out because I have not done that all my life. I've always been projecting forward. And so kind of grounding myself in that present moment is a practiced thing for me. I have to meditate to get there every day because I am one of these big planners, as most entrepreneurs are. It's like, right, what next? What next? What next? (laughs) Instead of enjoying the now.
1: You know, let me just say... um, I see now why you get the accolades you do. You resonate from a very deep place. I mean, to mm-hmm. listen to, uh, first of all, it's a, it's an extre- extremely calming. Uh, it comes from a place of wisdom. I mean, you've really found your inner self, and you're sharing that mm-hmm. with the world and uh so kudos to you i mean I've, we've had a lot Thank of people you. yeah i mean it just how, how can you deny i mean it's a it's a power you have a power because you are connected to something deep you mm-hmm. want to talk about how you feel about that
0: i connected to something deep yeah i mean i would say that as i have grown up um it's taken quite a while um I think I am. I definitely think I'm guided. I yep. would say I was guided in that people will say to me, Here I am working with teenage girls. And they will say, Oh, well, it's really obvious that you would be doing that, Jane, because you had such an awful time when you were a teenage girl. So it's really obvious that you would do that. Oh, it might be obvious to everybody else, but it's never been obvious to me. Uh, I never set out to do that. I never set out at like 16 saying, You know what? When I'm in my 40s, I am going to be working with other teenage girls because I am going to share my story, and, I, and that will help me get... I never thought that at all. I went, my journey started off like, show me the money. You know, so, but here I am. I, you know, I'm in my 50s now, but from my 40s, that is what I've been doing. So I think I've been guided here, and I don't think I could have done it any earlier. I think I needed to have the life that I have. I think I needed that experience. I think I needed that story so that, you know, when I work now I work with young people, young girls, I get them and they get me. But I only realized that the first time I ever told my story in public. And the first time I ever did that was to a room of six and a half thousand, 14 to 16 year olds. Wow. And I hadn't even planned to do it. And this is what I mean about being guided. I hadn't planned to do it. I'd been invited to speak at this conference. And um, the idea was there was 12 speakers at this conference, and they were all inspirational people who'd had some adversity in their youth and now were successful. And so they were proof that, you know, whatever happens to you, you can move on. You can, you know, put it behind you and become successful no matter what has happened to you in your life. And so the whole message of the conference was like, if it's possible for me, it's possible for you. It's just a question of how, because all our journeys are different. And that was the message. So these speakers were getting up talking about, well, you know, I'm a, I was a footballer. And I had an injury when I was 18, and it took my career away. And so I got into drugs, and then I ended up doing time in prison, and, but now I'm a successful X, Y, and Z. And so when I got to this conference, I, was, I found out I was the only woman on this platform. So it was me and and 12 men. And wow. the men were fantastic, don't get me wrong. There were some amazing guys, but there was a complete imbalance. And actually 60, 60% of the room were girls, wow and so I had this message I was I was going to do this really motivational speech about belief and and resilience and all of these things and as I walked up onto stage I just ripped up my script and I stood in front of this group madness and I said to them all you know what I am going to tell you my story I think that that is um I think That's what you need to hear. And I need you to know that I've never told anybody this in a public space before, but I think you deserve to hear who I am and why I'm here. And I told the story for the first time, and I found it very emotional because I'd never said it out loud. And they all found it incredibly emotional. And the girls literally woke up in this room. I mean, they literally, I could see them sitting up thinking, oh, my God, here's a woman. Oh, my God, the woman, somebody that looks like us talking to us and it was an absolute um baptism of fire for me because when i came off that stage i got mobbed by the girls it was like being a rock star tom
1: it was <laughs> like being a
0: rock star it's not happened since. <laughs> i'm still waiting i'm still waiting and every time i tried to leave the room somebody would come up to me and say jane before you go can you just come and talk to a girl on my table ellie because ever since you've been talking, she's been crying.
2: And wow. so something's
0: been triggered. So we come and talk to her, and I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go and talk to her, and, and so on. And then I go to leave again, and somebody else will come up to me and say, Jane, before you go, there's a girl on my table. It's exactly the same as she's with her mum, as you did. You did. She came into the session this morning with, a, ruck pack, with a, a rucksack. She's packed. She wants to run away. She's going to run away after the seminar. Can you go and talk to her? Yeah, yeah, of course I can So I'll go up and have a chat with her And give her a big hug and tell her it'll get better And so on and so forth It's quite a long story short I spoke at 3 o'clock in this conference I left the room at half 10 (laughs) So I spoke to so many different girls And that was the kind of um, That was the red flag for me For that's what I need to be doing That's what I need to be doing That's my next act because the power of story um, is incredible, and I'd not worked that out until that moment. At that moment, I thought, "Oh my God, this is what's going to get me to the next stage in my life. This is this is what's going to help me get rapport with those girls." To that point, I wouldn't imagine anybody that ever worked with me, or that you know worked in my team, knew anything about my personal backstory because I never told anybody. Wow. I didn't think it was that, I didn't think it was relevant and <laughs> um, I was just getting on with my life
1: <laughs> well you told well, it to me and, it, and I've I did and I've, well yeah, you told me when you told me your life story and you you know I've shared it so many times with people and uh, you know it's the classic story and mm. you know mm. and so on so many levels I mean stories you're absolutely right we're storytellers and it's you know when you think about I think uh, humans don't understand the power so we just jump into them and we spend hours mm-hmm. watching uh, you know episodes and we go to mm-hmm. theater and we go to movies and without being hypnotized the whole time not realizing how mm-hmm. you know, vital this is to our existence and your story just you know like I say I share it so you're right once you put that seed out there once you know and mm-hmm. I'm, what I'm trying to reach here is what I've discovered and you know, and why I'm talking about deep is that is the point, isn't it? That we do have a, we come here with a mission Mm -hmm. and it's already implanted and our higher self, that guide that you're talking about, sooner or Mm -hmm. later shows up and says, okay, this is, and you're having fun, this is great, but this is what you really came here to do.
0: yeah yeah and it comes it, it arrives at the right time because if that if that guide had arrived when i was in my 20s i wouldn't have even recognized it i wouldn't have recognized it and and it's only as you you know it's only as your wisdom grows your higher self grows that you then start to see the red flags around that and you start to hear that intuition and that guide and that 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 more spiritual side and you start to think hmm getting quite a lot of red flags around this. Maybe maybe this is it. Maybe this is what I should be doing. But you know, a lot of people go through life and never ask that question. They never ask that question. So they never, they never reach that potential. They never, they never do what they're supposed to do or what they came here for because they don't ask those questions. They don't listen. Uh, they switch off their intuition. Um, they don't do any of the stuff that you need to do to get there. Um, and that's a real shame. But it doesn't. This this journey doesn't happen to everybody. Only happens I'm, to the people that I'm, that listen.
1: I'm 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 <laughs> I'm overpowered here. I'm quiet because um, you know we've done quite a few of these and again I just want to give you some feedback of, as to your power. I mean you you speak in a in a beautiful, methodic and and, and uh, elevated way. Uh, Your your language is is poetry in many ways, and you, by telling and sharing your feelings and your story, uh, you you get to the truth, which is, you know, Mm -hmm. it's funny because I can say it to people in one way, and they may not hear my voice, but um, Mm -hmm. yours yours is very convincing, and you're you're just speaking from a very comfortable, peaceful place that Mm -hmm. shares, and you're right, I get you know, I get too excited about the fact that people don't listen, um,
2: and yep. that they don't
1: pay attention and that they, I, I, nothing infuriates me more than a wasted life, at least what mm-hmm. I call a wasted life,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, mm-hmm. a life of, I mean, a life of unhappiness, a life of a constant searching and yet not listening and paying attention. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I'm just telling you, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to push this uh, podcast because, uh, your your voice is just, I mean, and your your inner voice and deep voice is really resonating right now. Mm, Uh, mm, You know, Rhonda Byrne just came out with the greatest secret, uh, a sequel to a secret. And I laughed because for 14 years I was kind of upset with the message and the secret um, because I found out, you know, that there was something deeper than that. And so when she finally came out with this book, I laughed. I said, she finally got it after 14 years. She got down to the real truth <laughs> that inner, that higher self, that we are more than than these accomplishments that we do on. A, I, like, I liked your term, level. Um, and so she got down to it. it was just, we're, we're, we really are infinite beings, and uh, we can do amazing things once we get in touch with that papa. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, some people don't want to go there because it scares them, or they don't believe it. Or.
1: Yep. Whoops. I hope I didn't lose you. Whoops. Are you still there, Jane? Thank you. Oh, yeah. Good. You're there. Yeah,
0: Jane. I'm here. Can you?
1: Wow! Well, wow! <laughs> I lost it for a second. I think my computer shut down. Great. All right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like the, um. It. You're absolutely right. They uh and again uh you know i uh, we come here with <laughs> with, you know i never wanted to be a stand up comedian and yet uh it got pushed in my face so many times i couldn't ignore it in fact divine things happened that put me on a stage and uh, you know it's funny i i got to, used to do uh imposter things for corporations or to pretend to be an authority on something and one day
2: i mm-hmm. uh,
1: Went and I thought I was just going to perform as a comedian, and instead I looked at the program and it said Tom Hayes, futurist, and I'd be speaking uh-huh. about the future. <laughs> and I said, oh, because, because I hadn't prepared anything on that line, and I was speaking to a pretty high-proud high-brow, uh, group. They were bankers and investors. And so I got up and I laughed. I said, You know, I'm supposed to be speaking about, about the future, but I said, But I can tell you this. I can speak from a personal point of view that uh, the reason that I'm standing on this stage was simply because I, at one point, something happened to me that I had to pay attention to, and I had to make. So my future was determined by what decision I made at that time, which Mm -hmm. was to Mm -hmm. either ignore it, which would could have been easily done, just listening to conventional wisdom and what everybody else thought I should be doing with my life. And would have got the approbations or to take a chance and listen to this inner voice, which I know was, was telling me the truth, because it's once it was revealed to me, like what you've told, mm-hmm. said, once it was revealed to me, I was like, yeah, that's it. I've got mm-hmm. to go on that road. So yeah. I said, we, we're all faced with these paths, you know, these crossroads. And they come to everybody's life, and do, mm. do you listen mm. or do you ignore? And mm. <laughs> you can, you can have well, you've got
0: to have courage to listen, though, haven't you? You have to have courage to listen, right. because it's generally a change. It's generally a big change. It's a, it's a kind of um, cha- complete change of landscape. So you have to have courage, and most people will take the easiest path. And that's not the path of courage. That's the path of complacency. And we'll just keep doing the same thing that we're doing. And, you know, just switching off and watching telly for six hours every night and yep. not having to make any decisions about anything. And let everybody else do that. I'll just do, you know, I'll just go with the flow. And I love the way Tony Robbins talks about going with the flow. He's one of my gurus. And, you know, I have lots of people that will say to me, well, I'm just going to go with the flow. I'm going to go with the flow. Particularly when I start talking about maybe setting some vision for your life. I think that might be a good idea. Um, you know, not goals, but some kind of, like, theme, some kind of plan. What's the next step? What do you want to do? Oh, no, 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 I'm just going to go with the flow. And I, and I always say to them, well, you know, Tony Robbins' view of going with the flow is that if you just continue to go with the flow, you're eventually going to end up at a waterfall. <laughs> and when you get to that waterfall, you're going to have to make some decisions pretty quick. Right. And when you make decisions... In a crisis like that, they're generally not the best decisions because they're knee-jerk, they're immediate, you don't really think about it, um, you don't really have that bigger picture. Um, so that's what happens when you go with the flow. Now, wouldn't it be better if you had some ideas and some you know, theme or some vision for your life? Um, because it's far better to plan that and have a, kind of, have a strategy so that when you do hit the waterfall, you know exactly what to do because you were expecting the waterfall. And you know exactly what you want to do, and most people just don't do any of that. They go with the flow. The people that um you know have listened to that inner voice or have had the guide revealed to them and they've they've had the courage of their conviction we're in a small percentage you know we we we're less than i'd say twenty percent of the population
1: Well, you know, I had fallen into that conviction myself, like you I. You know, and, and it's funny because you talked about adversity, and in, in, mm-hmm. there is no good story without adversity. And you know, I lost my leg at thirteen to a form of cancer that took mm-hmm. the kids got it, ninety five died. So, and I tell people there was a blessing in that because immediately I wanted to be to get as normal. Quote: um, mm-hmm. I want to get back to normal, so I wanted to do the mm-hmm. things the other kids were doing. So that meant um, you know, I went to a bicycle. In fact, and Conventional medicine and um, practice said that was impossible. Uh, I did it, and that's when I learned a lot. And but mm-hmm. um, well, I learned the, the rules of success. I had a goal, and I you know, I set, set plans to achieve that goal at a very mm-hmm. early age when most people don't even find that ever. So I I got yeah. fascinated with this concept of success, and I said in my fifties or so, I said, wait a minute, and I said. As much as I was trying to move people towards success, I said, only about 10% of us, there's only about 10%. I went from 20 to 10, and then I went to five. And then after reading uh, Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill, he says it that mm-hmm. it's there's only 2% who are awake. And that's pretty quite wow. Yeah, and he says, and well, it to, is. Give a, to give a term to what you were just speaking about, he divides the world into drifters and non-drifters. And he asks the devil, mm. "Who do you control?" He says, "Well, I control the drifters." He says, "The people who come through life and, as you described, go with the flow." Mm. And he says, oh, yeah. "Well, who can't reach?" He said, "I can't reach the non-drifters. They're the ones with the, who are listening to their inner self and who mm-hmm. have all land and vision, and um, a mm-hmm. sense of altruism." So it's really pretty low, Jane. You're mm-hmm. right. It's About two percent right. yeah. of us, and it's, it's hard to yeah. look in this. Day. You know, it's hard to live with this, um, to see this going on around us, uh, especially today. But then that's we-
0: why we have to make sure, well, you either have a mission like you obviously do with your podcast, that you're going to have some influence on that and you're going to see if you can shift some people and inspire some people. Um, so you make it your life's work to do that. Um, or you just surround yourself by people that are like you and stay in a different kind of bubble. But it's yep. that, again, and you're still staying in a bubble, aren't you? So I'm, you know, I'm I'm not happy in the bubble. Right. <laughs> I want to expand the bubble. So I want to get more people in the bubble. So, you know, my third act is all about sharing my wisdom and um, supporting other people to get in that bubble with me. That's that's what I'm doing, and I'm trying to do it with girls that are very young, so that I get to them younger, so that they don't they're not on my coaching couch at 35, telling me that they don't know, you know, what value or purpose their life has, and they've got no confidence, and they don't think they're worthy of anything. I don't want them there at 35. I want them rocking and shining at 14, so that you know they. They take different decisions and they they take a different journey because they know that they are worthy of so much more and that they're here for some purpose and that they're amazing as they are and that they don't need to look like Kim Kardashian and that they don't need to be, um, you know, subservient to boys, you know, that they should be controlling their own life at that age. And when they get it at that age, well, that's life-changing.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, know, we do have, I'm always fighting the, this this thing. Why don't you? Why can't you just be quiet? You know why do you have to go disturbing <laughs> things? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I'm very happy to be loud. I'm yeah. happy to wear that badge. I'm happy to be loud. I I wouldn't want to be quiet or small or insignificant. Um, I want to play a part, and if that means I have to be loud, then that's exactly what I'll be.
1: I, you know, like I just said, finding kindred spirits, I I get so much from these podcasts because I get, Uh we need that because there's so much negativity out there right now. And one of the reasons I wanted to um, get back to you is I, it was funny. I went into um, have some work done on my prosthesis and um, Uh we were talking about COVID and the impact on the, you know, the the particular institution that I went to. And um, so in the, my prospector said to me, well, he says, you know, our life is going pretty well. He says, well, if our kids are still in school. They didn't miss that. And uh, he says, my wife is busier than ever. And I said, well, what kind of work does she do? She says, she's the counselor for the veterans administration. I said, boy, I said, she's got to be busy. He says, wow, well, mm-hmm. she's so busy that she's starting to think about her own private practice. And I said, mm-hmm. well, look, it's teenage girls, Mm -hmm. And she said that that there was an outpouring of cry, a cry for help from teenage Mm -hmm. girls at this point. The the, the crisis Mm is really impacting them, which is one of my passions in in terms of not just the girls, but teenagers in general. Because in this country, we've got 25% of the teenagers that are contemplating suicide.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable, isn't it? The the kind of the world that they're growing up in, the the challenges and the the stresses and the 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 landscape gets tougher, and their mental health just deteriorates. And we're watching well, I, it happen. Um,
1: right, and it's people like you and I. I think I put myself in the same vein that we're, we've been given this mission to help them get away from the surface and get down deep and find out that there's a a, a power within them that is intangible Mm -hmm. that will let them overcome any of this.
0: Yeah. But then they're also fighting families that don't get any of that as well. So, you know, whatever we kind of get across to them and, you know, support them they're then going back into families that are negative and so they've got a double whammy because they've then got to in a way have like a double life or not share some of that because they know that their mom or the dad or both or one or he's going to say well that's a load of rubbish you know you just yep. need to sort yourself out and get on with it or whatever i mean i have so many conversation with girls where they've got this talent but they're told that they'll never make any money with the talent yep. you know so i've come across artists and uh, girls that want to go into media or acting or even comedy, and they're told, "Well, you're not going to make a living at that. Right. So you just need to get a proper job." Well, what's a proper yep. job? What does that look like? And you're yep. just stealing somebody's dreams. You're just stealing somebody's, you know, somebody's gift, somebody's talents. And and I'm generally the first person in their life in their life that's given them permission to do that. So I'd be the person that says, "Well, do you know what?" Um, Gina, you're a fantastic artist. You need to do that. That's what you're here to do. And she'll go, yeah, but I'm not allowed to do that because Mum and dad have told me I want to get a proper job. get a proper job doing art because that's what you're here to do. You're amazing. You're brilliant. So do that. And even the teachers will say, well, yeah, you know, you need to have a full because, you know, there aren't many people make make a living out of that. And, you know, and I'll give her so many examples of people that do make a living out of it. You know, art's a massive subject. It's not just, you know, it's something that you can use in every single industry. Um, you know, and and so I'll, I'll give and then eventually she'll go, well, all right, yeah, yeah, maybe I should do that then. And so I work with her for a while, and then this girl particular went off to art college, and she's now a fine artist. You know, mm-hmm. she's got to work in galleries all over the UK, and I was the first person in her life that gave her permission to do that. Wonderful. So all the people around her were telling her that well, yes. I just don't want to do
1: that. Oh. It's the it's the crabs but, in the pail, isn't it? You know, you can't yeah. oh, you, yeah. you can get out of the pail. We're stuck yeah. in the pail yeah, and there that's, you are. Right. That's that's the, the, the big thing They're miserable
0: And they don't <laughs> and they making... want everybody else To be miserable with them yeah. yeah I tell a story about this In school And the girls love it I tell a story I say, tell them this little story About um, You know The animals in the farmyard And they're all a bit bored And So they decide to have A singing competition And so um, The bluebird steps up As a competitor And The rook steps up as a competitor and they both go off to prepare and all the animals get ready to listen and first of all the the rook steps up onto the the, um, platform and starts singing and it's just the worst melody ever and everybody's putting their hooves or their paws or whatever they've got over their ears because the sound is just horrendous and so the rook steps back and then the bluebird steps forward and the bluebird opens his beak and the sound is just beautiful and they're all literally in a trance all the animals are in a trance and they say, oh my god that's absolutely amazing and so the bluebird steps back and then um, the pig who's been appointed the judge uh, announces that the rook is the winner and so the bluebird flies off to a corner and you know has a bit of a moment. And um, one of the other animals comes up to him and says, You know what? What? There's no need to get upset. There's only a bit of a game. You, just don't, even, you, know, you don't need to, to, to get upset about it. Um, you, know, that, you know that you didn't win. And he says, The bluebird says, Well, I'm not upset that I didn't win. I'm upset that I allowed myself to be judged by a pig. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) 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 Who who are you allowing to judge you? Yeah? Who are you allowing to judge you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So you'd like that. Yeah. Who are you allowing to judge you? It's a, it's a critical time because the media. I just did a, a wonderful couple of podcasts with a brilliant, brilliant guy, Brian Francis Culkin, who's written fifteen books and mostly lately on uh, the technology and globalization and gentrification and the impact of the technology on the human condition. And it is mm-hmm. so. I'm like, all the things right, where it was just the family uh yeah. and your close people dragging you down, your, your teachers, et etc. Uh, now it's you know this this constant bombardment from uh, social mm. media technology mm. you know, and throwing mm. up the Kardashians, et etc. So it's even more important that we we speak out now. Yeah. yeah, we're
0: losing our we're losing our young people to this smart technology. We're losing them in a rapid rapid way. I mean, I've been working with girls for a decade, ten years, and my eleventh year, and I've got to say that in the past five years, we've gone backwards. You know, we've got some the most incredibly depressing mental health stats, and we are losing girls and boys to that can it's not just social media it's their smartphone so their whole world happens on that phone if it doesn't happen on that phone it's not worthy of their attention So they're spending upwards of 10 hours a day on that phone, whether it's on social media, whether it's on TikTok, whether it's talking to their friends through messaging, whether it's watching something on YouTube, whether it's accessing porn, which is what most of the boys do. They are on that piece of technology upwards of 10 hours a day. Now, what we've got to ask ourselves is, what are they not doing? Because they're doing that. So, you know, they're losing 10, 12 hours a day. And one of the things they're not doing is sleeping because they're on that phone.
1: Right, totally, totally. So they're they're losing losing. sleep deprivation.
0: Yeah. And in the UK, we are now prescribing sleeping pills to teenagers.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Yeah, we've got an increase, a 45% increase in prescriptions for sleeping pills for teenagers as young, well, children as young as 10. So I just, I find it so difficult to get my head round that we would do that, but that's what we're doing. And the second thing they're not doing when they're on that, because they're on that phone, is any physical activity. So they don't move. So they're either sat in a classroom or they're on the phone. So they're not moving. So like when we were young, you know, we were out all the time, weren't we? You know, we were doing stuff. We were out playing. We were on our bikes. We were playing tennis. We were you know, well, talking to myself here, but you know, we were doing stuff. They don't they don't do anything. So they, what they lose is their, that physical activity, which is so important. You know, they don't go outside. They don't do anything team-driven, so they don't get that connection. They don't get find out some of the things that they're good at because they're not doing anything other than sat on that with that smart technology. So that smart technology is robbing them of their emotional and physical development. It's robbing them. And we just sit by and let it happen.
1: Yeah. And that's, again, I get very vocal about this. You know, I'd I, I like to interject. You know, I, I lived, I just recently moved from Boston, which had become totally gentrified. And I, I was, I compare my journey there to being boiled like a, a frog. You can't boil a frog if you throw him in boiling water. He jumps out.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But if you put slowly, him Slowly, slowly. A- yeah, slowly, slowly. And that was what was happening mm-hmm. to me. a very vibrant mm-hmm. um, neighborhood. I mean, in fact, South Boston became the center uh, of an amazing attention with the, the stories that came out of there, like Goodwill Hunting and um, movies like The Departed, yeah. The Town. Yeah. Um, people were fascinated in it. You know, it wasn't necessarily a, a, an all good story, but it was a true story, it mm. was a story mm-hmm. a, of grit and gangsters and, and tough kids and uh, so it went from that a place of character and one of the first things that Brian pointed out that when gentrification and technology happen one of the first losses is character we lose the characters mm-hmm. we lose the little, um, li- little lady who who swept her sidewalk every day and talked to everybody mm-hmm. we lose mm-hmm. the corner store uh, proprietor and his and the in the crazy politicians whatever. And so you get this whitewashing, this this, this toning mm. down. That's what happened. That we just got invaded by the cognitive, what he, Brian calls the cognitive worker, who comes there simply to work. And so we saw the yeah. death of the city because
0: community, isn't it? It's community. We um, we see the death of community, don't we? Death of family. You know, everybody just be, yeah right. yeah. Everybody just death has a family. job and and no vested interest.
1: Right, death of family, death of community. They don't want to give anything mm-hmm. back. They don't want any, to hear mm-hmm. anything about. They don't understand the history of the place. They don't understand the people. Yep. Uh, it's just a place to jog and walk their dog. Yeah. And walk. Yeah. And you know, I and, and for me, and you know, we're social animals. That's why mm-hmm. we we. Want Up on stage. That's why we want to get out in front of the public. And to me, to to go, I started to realize. People say, "What's wrong? Why? Why why can't you just? (laughs) Why don't you just accept it?" (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No thanks. we've all been in relationships where, at some point, the relationship turns sour, and you say, uh, "Realize that you would rather be alone by yourself than alone Mm -hmm. with somebody." And Mm -hmm. this isolation, because what? one of the effects of all of this is isolation, isn't it? Um, mm. you know, yes, yeah, like the But they are. And mm. it, it was one thing to be able to go out in the street and, and at least have a conversation with someone. But when gentrification happened, I was alone with thousands of people. Nobody would talk to you uh, that, because mm. just their, their world is in their phone. So it becomes... Mm-hmm. The, the, the loneliness and the isolation is magnified by this sun that we're seeing.
0: Yeah. And then you take silly risks, which is what we're also seeing. So when you're alone and you're isolated and you're lonely and you feel a sense of hopelessness and you're disconnected, um, then you go online for validation. You go online to find people to validate you who feel the same way as you do. And that's why we've got a a growth in online grooming because the groomers out there, the pedophiles, the the nasty people are looking for those young people and they find them very easily. And they're finding them very easily at the moment because their vulnerabilities, they're wearing it like a badge on social media. And so that's why we're seeing a lot of dangerous activity. Um, because the girls take more risks because they're unsupervised. Um, they're sat in their bedroom on their own. And they're looking for that validation. They're looking for that community. They're looking for that connection because they haven't got it. And that's when they they're... they're their behavior becomes dangerous and risky. And that's why we're seeing some very nasty stats around grooming and bullying um, and sexual imagery and explicit texts and girls and boys involved in live streaming things that they shouldn't be live streaming and doing stuff on webcams that they shouldn't be doing. Um, And, you know, we we can't keep it contained. We can't put it in the box. Wow. You know, it's just getting worse and worse. Yeah.
1: And you it know, makes
0: perfect uh, sense, doesn't it, really? Oh, it's,
1: well, you know I saw, I saw I saw it coming <clears throat> when uh you know, I've been very vocal about what I saw with, with these uh, easy exit from the concept of family. It was uh and hmm. in, in growing up in a, in a basically an Italian um half a Irish half Italian, but strong the, the strong connections with the Italian side, and family is everything. And to see that, it horrified me to see where it was going, where this you've got to go out for a job. Well, <laughs> okay, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. But is anybody talking about the kids? <clears throat> is anybody yeah. talking about children? Is anybody talking about yeah. how you to do this? And mm. Uh, mm. so I got into a lot of trouble because I of my uh, attitude about it. And people just would, well, that's the way it is. And you have to mm-hmm. pay and, and so I finally came up with something that kind of stops everybody in the tracks. I said, you know, the, ah, that concept of the two family income wasn't that genius. I said, that was the salvation of America. Wasn't it? Once we introduced that, all our problems went away and look at the result. Everybody's <laughs> happy. They have tons of spare time. There's plenty of money. I said, and the children are looking happier, and everybody <laughs> looks at me and shakes their head and says, "Maybe that's the comedic uh, event that you know I've been gifted with to to see the irony mm-hmm. of mm-hmm.
2: all
1: of it." Yeah, folks, that didn't yep. even get us anywhere,
0: did it? Mm. <clears throat> you know, yeah, you but this, my my worry is that my worry is that when we look at that, you know, we blame the women for that you know a, a lot of what's going on at the moment um it with this extreme misogyny misogynist so which which is growing um and it's growing online and it's that's now those groups of of men um are now grooming boys um so you know the boys are getting groomed to join these really far right extremist groups on youtube and on the gaming technology. So there's all that going on as well. And my worry is that we're blaming the women for a lot of these things because it's the women that also go out to work. And they should be at home looking after the kids and that's their responsibility and so on and so forth. And so we you know, we've got the wrong we got the wrong story there as well. We don't see we're not seeing that, you know, making a decision to have a family is a joint thing. Exactly. And there's a joint responsibility exactly. and we're not teaching our kids that we don't teach them we don't teach boys that we teach girls that they should be the nurturers and the primary caregivers and all the rest of it we don't teach boys anything like that so we're still raising plays and raising boys and girls to live in that very traditional 50s kind of scenario but that's not what our world is now exactly that's not the world we no. live in So we've got a disconnect, haven't
1: we? Right. There should have been a dialogue between, okay, this is the time for men and women to get together and decide how Mm -hmm. we we are going to do this. How are we going to create the new family? Because what is wrong? You know, when I saw the whole thing happen, it goes, I'll stay home. You know? Me! Give me me, me 8 hours a day with my children, you know, Mm 8 to 12 hours Mm -hmm. a day, and the ability, mm-hmm. in the meantime, to use my creativity to do the things yeah. that I love, and yeah, and yeah, they're, they're, you know, I'm a nurturing father, you know, I, I mm-hmm. cherish time with my children, and now that mm-hmm. they're grown, it's paid off, and I've got some two two of my own that are beautifully adjusted mm-hmm. and beautiful lives, and um, and a stepdaughter who I instilled the same things with, and uh, mm-hmm. there's a. You're right. We don't honour that process of parenting, no. do we?
0: No, we don't. <clears throat> and, and we, and even as women, we raise boys to have wives. Yep. We, we're still repeating the same pattern. You know, we, you know, it drives me nuts when I see white mums, kind of like <sighs> nurturing boys to the point that they don't do a thing. You know, they do everything for them. They wrap them in cotton wool. They do all the washing. They, the boy leaves home. He doesn't know how to cook. He doesn't know how to turn a washing machine on. Yep. Um, he doesn't have. He's yep. not self-sufficient in any way. And therefore, of yep. course, he's going to look for a wife. And he's going to expect that wife to do all of that. Yep. And so you've got a disconnect straight away. So we need to raise boys differently. Uh, and unfortunately, there's peop- there's there's a very bad part of society coming for those boys, coming for those that those boys' minds to turn them into misogynists right from the age of like 10, 11. So we've got to shift the whole dynamic And because I've noticed in my time working in schools, I've been working in schools for 10 years, and I've noticed in the past five or six years that the balance of power in the schools has moved to the boys. Now, what I mean by that is that You know, when you're growing up and you're discovering your identity around puberty, around 12 to 14, and the whole question of your sexual identity arrives and so on and so forth, girls used to be in control of that. Girls used to moderate boys' behavior. That's always been the way. So, boys would show off to girls, and the girls would go, for God's sake, Tom, what are you doing? And Tom would go, yeah, yeah, right, sorry, yeah. And, you know, try something else to get her attention but that balance has shifted and that's dangerous because girls are emotionally more developed than boys at that age. And so boys are just like this bursting energy of testosterone. And girls are kind of two years ahead of them in terms of where they are emotionally. And so you've got this complete mismatch. So I'll give you an example of this. I was in a school before lockdown. I was doing a workshop with a group of 10 girls and a boy walked in the room and he didn't knock on the door. He didn't say, excuse me, can kind I of just, whatever. He just walked in the room. And I went, excuse me? Uh, hello? And he went, I'm just going to the loo. And the loo was on the other side of the room we were in. And I went, yeah, fine, no worries. So off he goes. He comes back in the room. And he recognized one of the girls in the room. And he went, he, he went up to her. And he was teasing her, saying, oh, Charlotte, what are you doing in here? What are you doing in here? And she went, "Don't oh, get lost, Darren. Like, you never do. And he went, what did you just say to me? And she went, "Don't oh, get lost. And he, in front of everybody, this lad, we're 14, by the way, he kicked her off the stool that she was Ooh. standing, And then he just, yeah, and then he just walked off. He did that in front of me and another coach and another 10 girls. And I was mortified. And I, I, went, I went to stop him. I went, excuse me, excuse me, uh, what do you think you're doing? And he turned around and he said to me, what the f hell's it got to do with you? And he walked out of the room. So I got my coach to go. I said, you need to follow him. I'll stay in the room. You need to follow him. You need to get him reported to the head teacher, right? So I picked the girl up from the floor, and I said, you all right, Charlotte? She went, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And she went, are you reporting him, miss? I went, absolutely. She said, well, there's no point in doing that, because that's how boys behave in the school. Nobody will do anything about it. I said, well, Uh "Well, not on my watch. It won't.
2: Uh Yeah?
0: So we've normalized that behavior. We've normalized it. So Uh, she wasn't shocked by it. You know, we've normalized it. So this then, I stopped what I was doing and I had a discussion with these girls about violence and about when is it okay for somebody to hit you or treat you in that way. And not one of them thought that was a bad thing. Not one of them um, said, well, you know, a boy, they all thought it was okay for a boy to hit them because they must have asked for it anyway. And I'm just shocked, I'm like, you know what, nobody should ever hit you Nobody has the right to harm you in any way And, you know, if a boy hits you, it doesn't matter what you did It doesn't matter if you're his girlfriend, he is not supposed to do that Yeah, but the thing is, miss, you know, I might have caused something I might have upset him I don't care I don't care. He still has not got the right to hit you. Yeah, but what if I've hit him? Well, then you shouldn't hit him, but then he still shouldn't hit you. Why are you hitting him? And this whole thing, you know, that they all think that's just acceptable behavior, this is why we've got a growth in domestic violence in the UK. Our domestic violence stats are going out of the roof. And, and they're in younger couples. So, you know, the 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 fastest growth in domestic violence is relationships between 18 and 25 because we just think that's normal I'm and sorry. the schools have made it normal because you know that it, it must happen so often that they've stopped doing anything about it and it just absolutely breaks my heart that, that those girls grow up thinking that that's okay when it's not it's not okay of course it's not okay. so I've noticed this big shift. I've noticed a big shift that the power moved, and you know it shouldn't be in the boys or the girls' camp. It should be together. They should be equal, but we are a long way off equality. We are a long, long way off it, and we're going backwards in some areas, and it is heartbreaking
1: It is heartbreaking. it breaks my heart every mm-hmm. single day, and the reason that I get more vocal. And the more resistance I'm getting from people, why don't you just let it go? Why are you getting upset? And, you know, again, I can't help it. You know, I grew mm-hmm. up, everything that you just described was not in my family. My, I grew up with a feminist mm-hmm. father. And I say that in the mm-hmm. sense that he, uh, he, you know, he, when dinner was done, he put on my mother's apron. He uh, here's a tough mm-hmm. construction worker. Put on my mother's apron, went over to the sink, and started washing the dishes. And I had to stand mm-hmm. beside him with a dish towel yeah. and tie Is he name. the
0: Italian or the Irish? You see, the Italian it, it or the Irish? Was,
1: he was Irish. She was Italian. He's and Irish. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but he saw nothing threatening about wearing my mother's apron Or yeah.
2: uh,
1: yeah. doing the dishes. Or then I had to sweep the floor. So all of these things, when you know when. Feminism became very vocal in the States. A lot of women were complaining about men not being able to do chores and to help the family. Mm -hmm. And I was shocked. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? And then, you know. That was normal for you. That was normal for you. Right. They they weren't brought up like I was. And so then I started saying, wait a minute, ladies, who's bringing them up? I said, this is where You know, that they, yeah, and you know. and
0: it also depends on that relationship though, doesn't it? Because when I look at my mum and dad, my mother was subservient to my father. My father ruled the house. He was the breadwinner. My mother didn't work. She wasn't allowed to work. What well, she did, all the unpaid work of bringing up her kids and looking after the house, but she was not allowed to work. My father was a, a real alpha. A real misogynist he went out to work he earned the money her job was to bring up the kids and manage the house and that was the deal that was the contract so you know she didn't know better that that was that was the deal that was you know their relationship so when i as as i was growing up i used to do everything in the house and my brother did nothing absolutely he he was like treated like a king you know, I used to set the table, I used to wash up, I used to help make the dinner, I used to do the ironing, the hoovering, I would clear up the pots, um, I would do everything, and my brother would do absolutely nothing. So that's how he was brought up. So, of course, when he starts dating, that's what he's looking for. He's looking for somebody like his mother, because that's how he was raised. I, on the other hand, i am looking for the complete opposite. I want somebody that's, that's like your dad. I'm looking for I'm not I'm not having this because I'm not going to I'm I don't want to be doing all the housework and everything I want a career you know I want to make something of my life I want to do something so there's no way I'm doing what my mum did so I go off and I rebel against that and I find somebody that's you know Tony, is very similar to you and your dad, who who is a feminist, who you know is an equality, believes in equality, and, it, and thinks that that my intellect and what I bring to the table is is as important as what he does. So we do everything together. So I made a specific choice to do, to go and look for that, and my brother made a specific choice to not not to. So it's all about the families that we're raised in all about the families that we're raised on. We, we either pass it on or we rebel. We repeat or we rebel. My brother repeated, I rebelled.
1: And don't you, isn't it, the thing that breaks my heart the most is the, the instead of holding that unit, that that the family unit as something to be revered and uh, and cultured and nurtured, it's laughed at today. In fact, we're seeing it in America that, you know, there are certain groups that want to see the destruction mm-hmm. of the conventional u- unit. And mm-hmm. that's the war right now, isn't it? To me. But
0: what's the benefit of them doing that? What do they gain by doing that? Well, these, you see, because
1: people? then they can push, well, you know, I'm going to just say it, it's just Black Lives Matter. That was the, if you went to their website six months ago, the yeah. first first mission statement was to, um, to was transgender, and to yeah. uh, uh, um, you know gay lives matter, etc. And and the the destruction of the concepts of the the nuclear family, and that the family mm-hmm. would be this village, whatever. And now when I would say to my more liberal friends. Uh, go to that site and look at it. They said to me, it's not there. You, you lied. It, it wasn't there. And I mm-hmm. went back and looked and it wasn't there. And then all of a sudden I, I searched on Google, where did it go? And it was the mm-hmm. term was scrubbed because they realized it was coming back to haunt them. And and that's the, right. nexus, that's the nexus of the crisis in America is what's going on between mm-hmm. conservatives and leftists is, is
2: mm-hmm.
1: the conservatives want to hold on to family. Mm-hmm. you know and and maybe not as, as you know, the the family that was the nurturing family but at least they want yeah. to hold on to that concept yeah and There's yeah. This, this war to tear it down that you're mm. that you're out of step you're out of date um you don't understand
0: and you have to accept So uh, out- all you mean uh, do you mean that that do you mean that they, they're trying to tear it down because they have different sexual identities. Exactly. Because, well,
1: first of all, I was going yeah. to laugh because you know, on your website you said gender the word Well, here in America you, you, uh, there's a movement that there is no gender, you see. Right, okay. They're even afraid to before when they were uh, afraid to ask you what your religion was, they're afraid to ask you yeah. what your gender is. You know, what do you identify right, okay. okay. And Ugh.
0: Oh, I don't think we've got that yet. I don't think we. I think it's coming, but we are, we're not there yet. We're oh, not gee, there yet at all. One of the
1: first things that Biden did was make it okay for a man who identifies himself as a woman—not that had an operation—can enter a woman's yeah. bathroom and he can play woman's sports. I mean, this is, <sighs> this is the agenda, and this is what that's very damaging. I, that's very damaging,
0: isn't it? Well, you know. I,
1: because I lived with, well, I saw the influx of millennials and I, like I said, I became the frog that was boiled and I became more and more unhappy, not knowing why I was, but it was this isolation and, and the attitudes of, of millennials. I saw what, you know, they're they're children, they're in their forties and they're children Mm -hmm. and, um, Mm -hmm. Well, I I started one day. My my good friend, who was very wealthy, got into an accident, and he had to have round the clock nursing to administer his meds. And I would go in, uh, and he said, "You better come up and, and check out the new nurse, you know." Because I'd go in, and she'd be very beautiful, and she be in her twenties, and I'd sit down to talk while he was getting ready. And I noticed something. I I said I stopped the young lady in the middle of the conversation, and I said, "Excuse me," I said you grew up in a family where you had dinner most nights. And Mm -hmm. she stopped looking at me shocked. It was, how do you you possibly know that? I said, because you can talk. I said, you can look me in the eye. You can engage me. You watch my body language. I said, you react to it. I said, we're having a wonderful conversation. She says, you're right. She says, and what scares Mm -hmm. me is my friends can't. I've never... Very long, never
2: mm-hmm. and,
1: well my my suggestion I'm, i mean I feel so passionate about this is okay, the United States of America, if you're gonna have a child, why don't you do this? Sit down with that child for half an hour a night. I don't care if it's over a hot dog or a pizza, and engage that child in a conversation mm-hmm. and
0: maybe mm-hmm. just make
1: we produce the generation that
0: we have produced, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so how do you, so you think when you think that all this um, gay rights and trans rights, you think that that's, do you think that that's the core issue here? Or is there other things? Is there other things going on that's breaking the family? Well,
1: that's, that is the more vocal. I mean, what I tried to explain, you know, people got upset when Trump showed up. And I noticed, and I was, I never was a Trump fan. Never. I thought it was mm, a blowhard. Mm. It was arrogant. I hated it. every time yeah. he showed up. I kept saying to myself, how does this jerk show up on national media? And uh, mm. when it happened, and then we had a choice between him and Hillary, and my friends started getting vocal on emails and things, and they said, uh, you know, and he's a jerk. He's that. I said, wait, 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 wait. I said, we have to look at ourselves. America has to look at ourselves and ha- say, how did we come to this
0: how mm-hmm. did we Yeah, how did it happen?
1: How did this happen? No, no, it's not mm-hmm. our fault. It's him, it's them. I said, No,
0: no, no, that's not the Well who voted for him. What's that? I said, Who voted for him then? I mean you must, think, have, well, you must, well, there the, must
1: have been Well this is what I tried to explain to them. I voted yeah. for him. I, mm-hmm. I the left pushed me so far. Yeah I voted for him, because yeah. I said to them, what yeah. don't understand is, the, I said, the two coasts, the two affluent sections of the country, the people who have the best jobs and the most influence and the most power, are voicing their agenda, their moral agenda on the rest of the world that mm-hmm. doesn't want to hear it. I said, the Midwest mm-hmm. is, is the place that lost all their jobs. They used to go to their factories and make an income and used to bring up their families. Now they go to either yeah. McDonald's or Walmart. There's no fruit to mm. Now, on top of yep. that, what you do is you take Bruce Jenner, who was an Olympic decathlon champion, yep. and decides he wants to be trained. And you that's fine. And he has that freedom and that right. But no, what do you do? You put him on the front cover of Vanity Fair dressed as a woman. And then every night a month we have to hear about it. I said the West mm. the Midwest does not want to hear about this.
0: No. 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 It's not
1: their agenda, but you're going to force it on them every chance mm. you get. And so they are going to react, and you have to have a little empathy for what they're, you know, earlier in the day, mm. and we could do tons of things. Mindset today is everything. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yep. true, Al. Well. Driving them nuts. Mm. Mm. What do they get? Yeah, up and there are day? so
0: many different. There are so many different ways that they can get into your head, isn't there, as well? I and mean, You know, like, social media is a gift. Yes. It's a gift, isn't it, for them to influence? And, you know, because we have that big, we had a massive um, row over here about J.K. Rowling. Did you hear about that on Twitter? Oh. Well, J.K. Rowling's is obviously the woman that wrote Harry Potter. Yes. She ended up getting embroiled in this debate um, about what a woman is. And she basically put on her Twitter, a woman is somebody that menstruates. Full stop. <laughs> yeah, and she got absolutely crucified. She had to come off Twitter. You know, she got people calling her a, a trans hater and, um, you know, she didn't know what she was talking about. And I mean, it could have literally ruined her career if she wasn't who she is. You know, it would have ruined her career, so she was told to come off Twitter. And you know, so we're that we're starting to see that creep in over here.
2: Yes, yes.
0: I don't think we're anywhere near where you are, but we're starting to see it creep in, and and it is worrying because, you know, the the kind of gay rights they have managed to get more rights in ten years than women have got in a hundred. Yes, yes. They are yes. phenomenal campaigners. Yes. You know, and they and everybody's frightened of going against them because you've got to be PC, you've got to be politically correct. Exactly. They don't feel the same way about women's rights. They exactly. don't feel the same way about women. But you know, so I've said it quite a few times to women: just look at what what the gay community have achieved. And the problem is, the reason for that is that most of the gay community are men. Right. And you know, so they they you know they've got a very different way of campaigning women are much um, they're softer they're quieter they they don't yep. want to be violent they don't want yep. to be obstructive they just want to ask for things whereas yep. gay men will demand things you know we want yep. this and we want oh, it now absolutely. and if we don't get that um then you know we're going to do this and so you know the and I mean I was asked to present an award a, an inclusive event years ago years ago probably five years ago and it was about diversity and inclusion but every single award that was for the LGBT community was won by a gay man so there no gay women here there's nobody else it's just gay men yeah so they won everything and nobody saw it and it was me that sort of stepped back and went this is not equal yep Exactly. This is not about diversity and inclusion. There's no diversity here. There's just right. gay men.
1: Right. Every, and every... I got
0: looked at as though I was, like, mental.
1: Exactly. Well, you know, we're cursed, Jane. We can see. <laughs> mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think, we're, I think that'll be our next big thing, to be honest, because the thought of as somebody being able to self-identify their gender Uh, You know, I mean, I don't have an issue if somebody, I believe that some people may be born into the wrong body. I can see that that is a a medical condition. And, you know, when they're old enough, i.e. when they've gone through puberty, if they want to make that decision to change their body, that's entirely their decision. But that's not really what we're talking about, is it? No. No, you know exactly. and we're talking about giving them blockers so they don't go through puberty and we're now finding out all sorts of things that that, that, that doesn't work it it messes with their bone density and it stunts their growth and what that's are we right. doing
1: right what and are we doing right what are we doing folks you know a, a, a mm-hmm. recent um uh, um entertainment uh, tonight was the show he was the host and he was asked the question: Should a three-year-old be uh, able to determine the sexuality? And he said, "No, I think that's mm. ridiculous." He, to save mm. his career, he had to retract that statement and apologize. Oh. That's, how, that's how bad it's getting.
0: Oh no, that is just so sad. I mean, we're just messing with so many people's lives. Three, three-year-old. I mean, I struggle with the, the with giving. 13-year-olds with the permission to define their own gender.
2: Right.
0: You know, I had a situation in a school, and this is, well, I don't get many of these situations, but I had a situation in a school about a year ago where a 14-year-old girl that I was mentoring was dating a 14-year-old boy who was actually a girl, but had self-identified as a boy and had moved schools because he wanted to be known as a boy. And he didn't want anybody to know that he was actually a girl. Because he, he he saw himself as a boy. And I just thought that's a time bomb waiting to go off. Because yep. here we are. My girl is dating this boy. Which he thinks he's a boy. He's identified as a boy. He's called Brian or whatever. And everybody knows him as a boy. But he's actually not a boy. Yep. He's a girl. And yep. there's going to be a point when that's revealed. And then what's going to happen? I mean, she's going to be devastated she thinks she's in love with a boy. Right. And, and you know, and it just opens up all these chasms. And I'm saying oh. to the teachers, if this can't be right, no. if he wants to, if she wants to be identified as a boy, she needs to be honest with this girl. Yes. You because know, it's, it's not fair, is it? It's not fair on so many people. Oh, that's not our decision. It's, it's his decision. Well, it shouldn't be. I'm sorry, right. but they're That's thirteen, right. fourteen.
1: What's what about transparency?
0: Yeah, you know what? What about being honest and being real and being authentic? All these words that we talk about all the time. When he's lying to her every day,
2: right?
0: Lying to her all the time about his identity. You know, and if, and if he's if he's so important to her to be a him, then surely that should be a conversation that they have. Exactly.
2: Exactly. You know, at the
0: very beginning. So that he's not leading you down a path. Anyway, it did blow up. It blew up big time when she found out. Well So that, she's not dating him that anymore. But that's
1: You know, I, it's very funny harmful. you mentioned about the um you know, the the real voice with the um, the gay movement and being the men taking over the I worked in a mm-hmm. place where a, um a man had gone Transgender. So it's now a woman that had the operation, mm-hmm. etc. And uh, one of the female I was working on one of the females uh, and she said, you know, he may have the equipment or uh, she may have the equipment. Mm-hmm. Oh no, he mm-hmm. yeah, he that's went from. yeah, he mm-hmm. usually may have mm-hmm. the equipment. She says, But in those meetings he's still
0: a man. <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. I do. I absolutely get that. I absolutely get that, which is which is why the fight for their rights um, is so strong because of that. And you know, so that he she's been brought up a man. Right. She was born biologically yeah. as a man. She right. has male genes. Right. She has a male Mindset, she was brought up with the privilege of being a man, so yeah, she's always going to have him. He's got the best of both worlds, really, hasn't she? (laughs) Exactly, best of both worlds, and
2: Mm.
1: he's yeah, he he is very attractive, so exactly. I to tell, uh, How did we uh, get
0: talking about this, Tom? How did we get down this rabbit hole? You know, that's
1: the beauty. Everybody tells me I, I, when I do these, I should have a, a, an outline and an agenda, and I should stick to. It. I go, no! I said it's so, so much
0: more fun yeah. when yeah.
1: when it goes. let go down as people.
0: many rabbit holes as you wish.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, oh, I, I have to tell oh, a story yeah. about that same person. Um, there was a Christmas party I was invited to, and that person was there. And uh, and, she, and she is about ah, at least six foot two, six foot three. And she was dancing mm-hmm. with, uh, she was knowing that she was going to make the general manager of the place on Coco. She sought him out and made him dance with her. And my, <laughs> my, I was married to my Russian wife at the time. And, uh, and, of course, the whole gay thing was was just a new world to her because in Russia. Yeah, absolutely. It's been, you know, it, it's still. It's still uh, the eagle
0: still, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Still homophobic. And uh, so yeah. she was fascinated. She said, to her, <laughs> she said to me, she said, darling, that man, that woman, very big woman. And I said, well, darling, and I said, that's uh, might be I, I, I said, that looks like a woman and is a woman now. Mm. but That mm. was a mm. man. Mm. And she just said to me, "You had a great way, really." I said, "Yeah, it's really." <laughs> uh, she went, oh dear! <sighs> how, they're
0: going to take over possible. the world. They're going to take how, over the world. She says, "How they do? How they do?" So I explained
1: the operation to her, and she just yeah. looked at me and said, "Darling, what progress!" <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 she started, started what uh, progress! What progress! Yeah, <laughs> I don't
1: know. <laughs> so, uh, well, listen, I, you a joy. To, uh, this is the kind of thing that invigorates me to not to lay down the sword, to pick up the sword, and if no,
0: pick it back up. You know, mm. be a noise
1: maker. Challenge, challenge the the insanity that's going on. You know, and yeah, you're going to get. Into it, but it, and I find that every time I do get into it, people say, don't engage. No, every time I do, I learn something more. So, what I yeah. started, yeah, why I, I loved your word mindset because what I found was people coming to me wanting to pick fights over all these social issues that, and I'm, I just think mm. we're going to have, you know, catch up. And instead, mm. it wasn't a political argument. And I said, there's something going on. And because you're a storyteller, I forget his name, I've read two of his books, but he was the number one screenplay in Hollywood and he wrote a book called Story and then he wrote a book called Mm -hmm. Dialogue and the book on Dialogue is about 300 pages at least, and and his contention is that dialogue happens on three levels first of all, on the level that you and I are talking right now underneath Mm -hmm. that, there's a conversation of, another conversation of what we're going to say next, what we want to talk about um, what we really want are saying, and that, that we may hold back in the conversation. And he says that on the third level is the deep level that both people mm-hmm. are unconscious of that higher self level. And so mm-hmm. I started when people came to me with their agendas, I said, wait a minute, that's not what's going on here. There's a mindset mm-hmm. below it. Yeah. And so what we're seeing is a victim mindset, which you said, how gays have made such progress in the UK. Well, they've got a victim. Mm. If, you, if you play the victim loud and long enough, mm. it gets you with mm. your, your results, right? And so mm. I, I wanted to say, before people, I will engage them, I said to them, what's your mindset? And they said, excuse me? I said, do you have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset? Do you, yeah. See, yeah. Do you see the world as a platform in which you can uh, 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 this this wonderful place where you can come in and express yourself and create something beautiful. Or do you see it fixed? Do you see it that mm-hmm. there's only so much, and that there's really nothing else left to do? And yeah. how do you see yeah. yourself? Do you see yourself. What's your mindset? Are you empowered? Do you see yourself as somebody who can create something beautiful out of this platform, yeah. or do you see yourself as yeah. a victim? Yeah,
0: that's what it's all about. Yeah, because victims have no power. Victims have absolutely no power to change anything, do they?
1: You know,
0: in fact, I just done a vlog on that. You'll see. You'll see that this week, next week, about taking responsibility. Take responsibility for your life. It's you know nobody else is responsible for it. You make the decisions. You know, you reap what you sow. The decision and what you have in your life today is because of what you did yesterday, or last week, or last year, or a decade ago. You know, you created it. If you just keep blaming everybody else for it, then you're just giving them your power, and you're and you're you're lost, you're screwed. There's nothing you can do. But if you take responsibility for your decisions, then you can change them. And that's what being empowered is. It's about being in control of the decisions you make. Um, the opposite of that is being powerless, and that's what a victim is.
1: And that's, that is the mindset. If I can really give you an inside track here, that is the mindset now. No, they will come back and they will, they get violent about it. No, it's systemic. There's nothing you can do about it. It's the system. The system. Mm. It's the system. Mm. And yet there are case after case of individuals breaking out of the system that they totally want Mm. to ignore. Those are only exceptions. And, and and so yeah. there's, how can you do so I finally said if once we've established what your mindset is I, I've determined I can't have a conversation with you because it will go nowhere yeah
0: it will go nowhere yeah it will just be depressing and negative for all of us and the yeah. listeners and yeah. so and we're not we're not doing that yeah we're not doing so, that and
1: I think that more of us who are inspirational speakers have to co- have to start m- focusing on mindset mm-hmm. Because mindset
0: uh, determine your life Yeah, absolutely I mean that fixed in growth Is part of our process When we work with girls in schools That's one of the first things we talk to them about Well, so, you know we are,
1: um, we are curious For a million reasons Number one, though we don't know it We care Deep down mm. We care, right? You care mm. about girls
0: mm. you care about absolutely do I'm passionate about them Passionate
1: right. about them. We care about mm. family We care about people being happy We care
0: mm-hmm.
1: So we can't shut it off mm. It's it's our mission It's our, our mm. life's mission And um, we meet each other And we need to wake up the world And say no no, no this yeah. is Just to have your cause And you want to maybe be- go the victim cause We want to go the champion cause <laughs> You could be yeah. the champion
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean you know, one of the key things that makes people happy is progress. People have to see that, you know, that they are achieving things and that they are moving forward and that they're in a better place now than they were this time last year. And you know, that that's that's what that's what living's about. It's about progress. It's about getting better. It's about you know seeking more. It's about finding out who you are and what you're here for. And you don't do that if you're a victim because you think it's everybody else's responsibility to do that, not yours. Right. So you're and just going to sit in complacency.
1: Right. And that's the program now is gov is government will take care of this. Government should take yeah. care of it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and it's not up to us. It's up to somebody else
0: to take care of us. Else, mm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Isn't Listen, it interesting well, that I did a vlog on that today? It's really interesting well, that we're ending on the thing that I was actually just recording before I picked the well, phone up to you.
1: And you and I know <laughs> it's no accident.
0: No, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What a, well, what a great point to end on.
1: I am so... It's, it's starting to shut me down here. I, 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 can't, I can't tell you how grateful I am, how much of a light you are, how an inspirational, how deep... Uh, you 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 walk the, the talk, you know. You mm-hmm. went through, it and and you are on the other end, sharing this and hoping to wake up. And I hope that when we have this core community of people who want to do this, we will start to have a voice and try mm-hmm. to get the world back to a place of sanity.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, change one life at a time. Hey, Tom, one life at a exactly. time.
1: Exactly, Jane.
0: Thank you, <laughs> and say
1: hi to your lovely Pleasure. husband.
0: I will indeed, and we'll speak again. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye-bye. Boy, I think I did that just on time. Thank you so much for joining us. Wasn't she a delight? She's absolutely wonderful, and uh, I just hope all of you have a blessed day and learn something and go out there and fight. (laughs) Fight for what's right.